Good morning. Uh, my name's Stuart Eggleston. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm an elder in City Church, uh, married to Emma, and we have four wonderful kids. Um, two of them are over 18 now, so I'm not sure I'm meant to use the word kids anymore. Um, uh, I am a technology consultant. Basically, I work with tech startups on design and product strategy and things like that. That's what I do day to day. Uh, from this office, I'm at the bottom of my garden, um, which has been uh, an absolute blessing during all the lockdowns and uh, us staying at home. Sorry I can't be with you live this morning. Uh, I'm in that category with COVID of extremely clinically vulnerable, um, which means uh, indoor spaces with lots of people is not advisable right now. Uh, but I am really looking forward to those days where we can all be back together, where we can worship together, we can know the presence of God, know him speaking to us as we're all gathered in one place. So really looking forward to that. My heart this morning is to encourage and inspire all of us in the various places we find ourselves in. Maybe to ground some of what we've heard over the series on leadership to think about those practical contexts, and specifically that's leadership in our workplaces. So over the last four weeks, we've looked at our hearts as leaders. Uh, we've looked at being mothers and fathers, and we've looked at uh, mentoring others almost as sons and daughters. And last week, Joel encouraged us to be an apostolic family on a mission just like Jesus is. I believe God wants us, wants all of this, to be present in, in all of our lives. And, and to state the obvious, leadership is not just for our church serving stuff. Um, it's actually how we're to lead always the things that we've been learning about. I believe God calls us to lead in our workplaces so that all across Bristol, there are demonstrations of Jesus and how he leads us. Our mission to help Bristol believe is to be worked out everywhere God places us across the city. I know many people in City Church that are trying to serve God in their workplaces and so what I've done is rather than you listening to me for half an hour um, I've uh, gone out and interviewed them and asked them lots of questions about their jobs and leadership for them so let's listen in to some of their insights. Uh, so hi Andy, um, can you tell us a bit about you? uh so what do you do about your family things like that hi Stu yeah so uh I um Andrew Monday been in Bristol since uh gosh 1998 uh in City Church all of that time married to Amanda and three daughters from 11 uh up to 16 um we're all we're all a little short family but uh but uh perfectly formed as they say uh, so I am I'm a technical director for a company called Babcock, the UK's second biggest aerospace and defence company, um, and essentially I'm accountable for all of the um, all of the technical outputs that we that we produce as a business unit. Okay, so Joe, uh, if you could just tell us a bit about you and you know family, what you do day by day, that would be great. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Jo. Um, I'm married to Tim and we have two children. One of them's literally just born a month ago, um, Aria and Ezra. And I stay at home with the children. I used to be a teacher, but I stopped teaching when my daughter was born. Um, so my day to day life um, looks very much like raising two children in the home. So uh, it'd be great, Paul, if you could just tell us a bit, a bit about you, um, what you do, that kind of thing. Okay. 
Uh, so my name is Paul Wood, although most people call me Woody. Um, in terms of who I am, I'm uh, I'm an elder in the church. I'm uh, a husband of Camilla. Uh, I'm a dad of our four wonderful kids, Jacob, John T, Emmy and Chloe, nine, seven, five and three. So good ages to remember when the two are apart. Uh, in terms of my work life, I am um, the director of finance for a company called Newell Brands. Um, the brands that you might know that we look after, which I manage, are Yankee Candle, uh, was probably the biggest one. So uh, I'm the FD of uh, the region, so looking after mostly our European business. is pretty big business, so turnover is probably around about 250 million pounds that kind of size business it's just under around about a thousand employees in europe um spread across uk predominantly bristol uh, and then we have a base in italy and a base in the czech republic where we do kind of manufacturing uh, etc so gives you a flavor of of me and what i do so, uh, Sarah, uh, thanks for giving us some time. Um, just tell us a bit about you, like your family, what you do for work, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, my name's Sarah, and I'm married to Dave, wonderful Dave. Um, we have three fantastic children Thomas, who's eight, Clara, who's six, and B, who is almost four for next month. So, um, busy family life. Um, I, I always say that I, I'm a full-time mother and I work part-time for the council because that's very much how it feels. So um, I work three days a week at Bristol Council. I've actually just been seconded um, to a senior project management role that sits across adults, children and educational services actually to implement um, a major project across all three of those. But my, my standard day job, if you like, which I'll go back to eventually, is within um, strategic commissioning um, for adult social care. So that's that's the part of the council that um, develops, shapes, um, and and buys. I think we're both saying it buys services on behalf of our most vulnerable people in, in our city. So those that are homeless, um, those who are have learning disabilities, um, mental health issues, etc. That's what I do. Cool. Um, so I'm Stuart Woodburn. I am 39 years old, uh, married with two kids. And my job currently is a head teacher, but also a foster carer. Um, and an important piece of information really is I'm an avid Liverpool supporter as well, <laughs> which is key in everything we do. Amazing. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, we know where children came from, but what, you know, you, <laughs> you decided to um, give up teaching. Um, how, how did that happen? What made you do that? What's your thinking? Um, so when I was growing up as a child myself, my mum stayed at home with me and that was really defining for me. I really valued that. I grew to really value that. And I think like deep down, I just always assumed I'd do the same. I think then like in my late teens, I started thinking that that wasn't going to be possible um, financially and just kind of contextually. It seems like lots of people didn't really do that anymore. Um, so I sort of kind of gave up that dream. But then when I was pregnant with my first child, I really... I was feeling really disheartened about the prospect of kind of going on maternity leave and having to return to work and just all the implications of that and I just felt God say to me like you need to be honest with me and tell me what you want and that gave me a real permission to start praying and saying God I, my dream is to stay at home with my children in those like formative years and it was amazing because like the impossible became possible but God really pulled through and that has become a reality which is just amazing. 
Great. Um, and uh, how did you get into doing this job? You know, finance director, wh where did that come from? Did you think you wanted to do that? H how did you get there? Um, so I guess finance, something I wanted to do from pretty young, you know, most people dream of being a policeman or an air pilot, um, but I, I kind of wanted to be an accountant, which is a bit strange. Well, my, my mum was actually a bit of an, was an accountant, so it probably came from there and it felt kind of like the safe job to do. You can earn a good good income and you know do the things that people do and so I kind of followed that went into university did a kind of maths and accounting degree and then um, came out of university moved to Bristol and after a year of actually working for the church went and went into a business where they trained me in in the business to become an accountant and to get into finance um, worked in a few businesses um, over the years, Matthew Clark, who I started at in, down in Whit, uh, Whitchurch, spent a number of years with derivations of Orange and EE and BT up at um, up in Bradley Stoke, uh, and now, as I say, I'm with with Newell Brands. And through that time, my career's kind of developed over time. Worked worked hard, um, been in the right place in the right times, uh, yeah, at times, and um, just yeah been able to progress um through kind of junior ranks through kind of managerial ranks and then up to being a director um and in terms of where i am now just it was just in some ways it was just a good moment to be in the business i came in actually on a contract at newell uh, kind of as a head of department things changed with it and and i guess amazing amazing story that actually things just opened up for me to then join the leadership team to be the kind of finance director of the business um where i am now so uh, the two things you said there, so foster carer and, and head teacher, um, yeah. how did you get into both of those? What, what made you kind of end up with these jobs? Uh, the short answer of that is basically God. Um, and the slightly long answer is um, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a marine biologist. Um, I was, a, I'll be quite honest, a bit of a selfish um, teen lad and went on a missionary. Uh, missionary work to Zambia, spent two years uh, over in Africa, and um, I basically, yeah, was a, a selfish lad, and um, I well, was hated kids at that point, just so you know, um, and it was all about, you know, I'll do this missionary work, I'll go back to uni, and I would do, I'd be a marine biologist, uh, but God obviously had other plans, and I um, had quite a few prophecies, um, and visions that God gave me as well um, about working with children and it was a case of I'll put those on the shelf because really really don't want to work with children that's not where my life was going to go uh, but God had other other uh, ideas and I was in Durban in South Africa and was going into the uh, aquarium and touched the turnstile and as soon as I walked through that turnstile God spoke to me it was really weird he's like you're going to be a teacher um, and it was like, really? Um, and it was a, yeah, a real special moment. And I walked straight back out of that aquarium and then I spent a lot of time with God. Um, and then since then, um, yeah, it, it's been a great journey. It's, doors have just been open. God really has led me along that journey really clearly. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't been very good at many things in my life. I, you know, I love sports, but never was the top was never academic but one thing that you know god has really given me a gift in was was teaching um and so yeah that that's how it's 
I've come into kind of teaching and then became a head teacher, a foster carer again. Uh, that that was down to the big man upstairs, uh, very clearly speaking to my wife and I, um, and gave some very really really clear signs um, that we should go into fostering. And again, since then, uh, we the doors have just been opened and we've fostered I think five children now in about three years. Um, but yeah, it's it's been tough, really tough journey, um, but been great. Um, so, so what does leadership mean for you, kind of day to day in your work? Yeah. So, in my in my current role, my my leadership accountability, if you like, is to is to make sure that we um, we have set ourselves the right direction to take in terms of developing new technology, um, making the right investments in technology, in future people capability, um, but also in setting the culture that we have um, as an organization. Um, so being part of that as the broader board that leads the business unit, but also in particular setting the culture of how we go about doing our, our technical work from an engineering and technology point of view. Great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we as, as part of this, I've talked to lots of people in different places of leadership. Um, uh, what, does, what does leadership mean for you in that, in that day-to-day -day with your kids at home? Um, I think when I think of leadership in the home, the thing that jumps to mind is the idea of modelling. I really have to model everything that I want to see from my children. Um, and if I think about that, and like if, even on a faith-based, um, that just means making sure that I am modelling the behaviour I want to see from them, not just kind of behaviourally, but their relationship with God. Like, is that something that I'm making really clear to my children that I've got is, you know, worship a feature of my daily life. Do I pray in front of them? I have to like think about that quite intentionally and recognizing that that doesn't just happen. Um, it's not something that just happens by accident. It's something I need to be really intentional about. Um, so yeah, for me, it's about modeling and like, yeah, performing the behavior that I want to see from them and making it really obvious, almost accentuating it can sometimes feel a bit exaggerated, but I think that's really important. You know, even have, having a fallout with my husband and making up really deliberately and really excessively, but because I want to see them do that and learn how to do that. Great. So, yeah, teaching through modeling, I think. So uh, what are some of the values that you have in terms of your work and, and maybe how you lead and the values that you stick to? Um, okay, so I guess I guess my key value um, in terms of, of leadership is, is empowering people. Um, and what that means is just giving people the, the, the freedom to, to deliver, which I think gives people a whole lot of satisfaction in terms of job satisfaction when they get to over deliver, they get to own their task. I think empowering people also needs to come with equipping people, because if you give people something to do and, you, and, you, and you're stretching them and saying, go and do that, but you don't come alongside, you don't. Um, mentor and, and develop people and give them uh, the training or the kind of equipping that goes with it, then there's an opportunity they might sink. So those two must come together. And I, but I think in terms of that mentoring and, and equipping comes those, sometimes those difficult conversations that might be challenging people as well as encouraging people because effectively you're developing people uh, and equipping them to go on and, and deliver something and potentially shaping them to lead something in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well. I think the other key value, as I say, as well as empowering, equipping and trusting in terms of leadership is making it fun. I think people want to in, enjoy 
where they work. They want to enjoy what they're delivering. Uh, and I think as, as leaders, you want to kind of help facilitate that. And I think a big part of that, in all honesty, is just getting to know people. It's getting to know what's going on in their lives. But I think also just being open about who you are and just creating that culture and dynamic. People want to come into a workplace and enjoy coming in, have fun, but they also want to deliver. They want to get on a journey. Uh, and I think we need to facilitate that uh, as well. So it's a couple of my key values. So you, you've talked about some values already, really, in, in some of the, the answers you've given. But uh, are there, you know, some key values that you have in terms of your work and, and how you, you know, make decisions and things like that? Yeah, I try to have a long term focus. Um, so I, I try not the role I have a strategic role so it isn't reactive I'm not I'm not on the, the cold face day to day but I'm trying I try and take a step back and I think because at the end of the day um when I'm in glory they're not gonna be like Sarah what did you well how far did you get in the council what did you what what did you achieve there I think there's going to be other things that um that will remain shall we say um and and I, I try to count my days each day there's little things that I do and I think but there's a long-term focus so not being too short-term in, in the decisions that I'm making and trying to think as I say or I leave a legacy so this might not be the easiest thing right now but long-term even when I'm maybe not here and I'm not here to take the the um take the credit for it what can I do now that other people will benefit from and build on um and also, I, I, I know that God sees us in the small things. Um, so when I'm at home with my children and I'm just doing something small that they probably don't even appreciate. <laughs> you know, my three-year-old won't appreciate when I've tied up something over here or I've done something a bit special over here necessarily. But God sees. And, um, and so being faithful in the small things. I remember once at a conference talking to... I think Dave Stroud, Philippa Stroud was talking and she was she was an MP and she'd done all these amazing things, but she was talking about how um, being faithful in the little things. And so I try and remember that um, when there's things that maybe people don't see in my work, um, but I know God sees and I know that um, it's little things that bring him glory as well. <laughs> so not being too caught up with what do people think of me? Um, Although I'm not saying I always do this, but there's something that I try and I try and value in what I'm doing. Um, also, try not to segregate my home life from my work life. It's so tempting to put to put work in a box and say, right, this is my life. This is what I do with my children. This is what I do with church. This is what I'm doing for the kingdom. And then put right, and that's what I go to work and do there. And I found I found my great. I feel like I give it's an act of worship of work. And I feel like when I don't try and mentally segregate those and but even like bring my children to work conversations or, you know, this is what happened at church or someone was talking at work about leadership and they're talking about servant leadership. And I said, oh, that sounds quite similar to, to Jesus. And they were taken quite back by that, just trying to sort of like trying to bring it in a bit more naturally, really. Um, and people don't always, don't always think much of it that sometimes people are really interested and we have a really good conversation. So that's what I try and do. Um, and, and then also just asking for help. 
<laughs> because some of the decisions I have to make and with, with, and with others as well really affect people's lives and that can feel quite weighty and quite you can sometimes feel paralyzed by that um but I and, and so I frequently know that I need to ask for help and so stopping sometimes and just praying for help during the work day just just you feel like even if it's almost like it doesn't even matter what the decision is of course it does really but it's almost like it's more about how you make them um and yeah so I just I just ask for help That's, I know that I can't do it alone um uh so so we've been going through this series haven't we on leadership called disruptors um uh, so what does maybe more radical leadership look like for you so radical leadership is interesting one, isn't it? Because radical is, is kind of defined by being different to something. And I think for, for us, that means, as, as Christians, that means radical in terms of different to the world. And for me, the one thing, the kind of common denominator that you see in, in uh, the majority, not always, but the majority of leadership in the world is it's about me as an individual. It's about, I, I want to succeed. I want to get my bonus. I want to make sure that I can progress, that I can move to the next step. Um, and as Christians, we have to be really careful not to get sucked up into that um, in in our in our worldly jobs. Our whole culture is about is about the individual. What can I get? What's good for me? Um, and for me, the radical aspect of leadership that we have to model is what Jesus modeled, which was servant leadership. We're not, we're not there to promote ourselves. We're there for the good of others because we don't have to worry about ourselves. God's got, God takes care of that bit. That's his job. And uh, if we're worrying about ourselves, we're basically telling God that, he, that, you know, that, that uh, he's not doing his job, which I don't think is a good idea. So, um, so the, the most radical thing we can do as Christians in leadership is to model genuine servant leadership from the heart, not just as, as an outward appearance, look for the good of others, the good of our companies and leave it to God to look after us and our careers. So, uh, you know, can you tell me what maybe radical leadership means to you or what, or what it looks like to you? Yeah, I think um, being able to, to say sorry and to admit mistakes is really radical. I, it's something that we talk about talk about with the children you know frequently saying you know let's say sorry let's let's say I forgive you it's something we every day and yet in work I find that really is quite radical for people you know it's more about um let's hide our mistakes let's cover it up let's let's just you know even if we kind of know you kind of you, you're kind of admitting it we're not going to like go there we're just going to just brush over it um, but actually in modeling, I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I did that. And I'm sorry for this, really naming it. And when people ever do say sorry, forgiving them and being, being really um, clear with that, it, it really transforms situations because it is, it is so radical at work. I, it's something, as I say, it just comes so naturally because that's something we're doing with the children. But then at work, it's like, whoa, this really is, different um so so I, I would say i would say bring that 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 god's taught us to do as christians that we are forgiven 
when I'm not better than you. Um, I'm not, um, I don't have all the answers actually. And as a team, we're together, we're going to, we're going to learn from each other. We're, we're going to have a safe space where we're going to innovate. And if things go wrong, that's okay. That's okay. And um, I find that, that quite radical for people. But uh, again, setting the tone and saying that's how we're going to do it and that's and being consistent with that, starting to see results. And I, I hope, I hope and pray that people that I work with, um, yes, yeah, start to see the benefit of that and maybe even lift their eyes to God and say, I need forgiveness from the one who, who, who I really do need forgiveness from. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's quite radical. I, I'd love to get your view on like, you know, that kind of disruptive or radical leadership. You know, what, what does that look like to you? So when I was a bit younger, before, you know, kind of came into this headship role, uh, and I hope I don't offend anyone here, but I really thought like radical leadership was like that kind of hippie style, like way out there kind of thinking. Um, and that was to me what radical meant. Um, but actually since kind of taking this role on, Radical to me is actually putting God first, seeking his wisdom and seeking his, um, his direction. And that's something I've really learned since taking the school on. So I work in Withywood, uh, which is a tough place to be. It's one of the most deprived areas in Bristol and the country. And actually seeking God and seeking his direction um, on a daily basis means that he's really kind of showing me the way and that has really led to some radical decisions um so to me yeah it's kind of seeking his his direction uh, is what radical leadership is um and it's made huge difference to our school and also it's now starting to make huge differences with our community uh, which is key because it's it's a tough place to be in Withywood and, and the only person that's going to make a difference there is God because they seriously need Jesus so um yeah that's how I see radical leadership. What a great example these people are to us. Uh, there was lots of uh, extra stuff um, that we'll put together in a, a like a full length YouTube version. So do check that out. Keep an eye out for it. It was pretty hard just choosing the small bits to show uh, this morning. Just to pull out a couple of summary points from those interviews. Uh, the first is to be full of humility. Uh, be Willing to admit when you get something wrong, um, to apologise for it. Uh, it's a pretty radical way of behaving in work these days. Go to God for help as well. There's a humility that means we're not afraid to ask for help. We uh, don't think we've got all the answers and we're not self-reliant, but we go to God when we need help. Number two, to take responsibility, advocate for others, carry others' burdens and, and help set a good culture in our workplaces. Number three, Put in the hard work, being faithful even in the small things uh, and, and not shirking on, on putting the effort in. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Uh, and actually work was instituted in the Garden of Eden uh, before the fall, before sin entered the world. Work was instituted by God. So hard work is a good thing. Fourthly, embrace all work. So I love the variety of jobs that people do. I love those conversations, such diversity across our church. 
But even unpaid work is still work and deserves our best, like our parenting and, and like Joe talked about. Fifthly, be a model for others. Leadership is more than setting an example, but you can't lead without setting an example. That's what Andy Monday said, and I totally agree. We need to model the kind of behaviour and attitudes we want to see. And we're called to demonstrate Jesus and, and model him to those around us in our workplaces. Sixthly, be a servant leader. This is the best way to demonstrate Jesus, putting others first, empowering others, encouraging others. We're not here to promote ourselves. Let's let God worry about us and our careers. Jesus is obviously our best example of leadership uh, and servant leadership is his thing, really. That's, that's the thing that we see in him a lot. It says in Matthew chapter 20, uh, Jesus said, called them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. That sounds like a lot of our workplaces. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to ser be served, sorry, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is radical leadership, putting our own desires aside and preferring the needs of others. Now, Jesus came and ultimately gave the greatest sacrifice. The, he gave his life for us. Uh, most of our work, thankfully, doesn't involve dying for people. But how often do we cling to our own wants and needs rather than serving other people? I would encourage us to look at Jesus more and more, to engage with him, to focus on him. And that's where we learn how to emulate that servant leadership. Lastly, some of the people I interviewed talked about how God had called them to particular things, how he'd gifted them and, and how he'd opened doors for them to lead them to where they are now. I want to encourage and challenge all of us this morning. We live in a vibrant city and there's a lot going on in Bristol and I believe God's placed you here for a purpose. We're all part of that vision to help Bristol believe. Uh, we all play a part in that. For, for some, that purpose may be worked out through leadership in the church, but that's likely a very small percentage. The main op opportunities for most of us are more likely through our work, both paid and unpaid, and those workplaces. There are businesses that need Christians to lead and to help create better cultures. There are schools that need Christian teachers and head teachers to demonstrate how God our Father leads us and how he shows love and care and instruction. There are hospitals and healthcare practices that need to be shaped by Christians who are humble and show that, Je that Jesus shaped servant leadership. There are social care settings that need Christians grabbing the mandate, influencing the culture of the caring sector. And there are also businesses that need to be started that can impact society as kingdom enterprises run differently and blessing the city. I want to encourage you all to hear the stories from the people this morning and ask God what he might be saying to you. Where do you need to lead better? In your current workplace? In your home more? In a new workplace he's showing you? Let's close with a moment in the life of Joseph. If you don't know the story of Joseph, I encourage you to go and read it. It's very inspiring. We're going to pick up the story when Joseph is in prison in Egypt. He's had some real successes, but 
like I said, he's now in prison. Um, and Pharaoh ha is actually really troubled, had some really uh, challenging dreams, really troubled by them. One of his servants tells Pharaoh, I knew this guy in prison, Joseph. He interpreted my dreams, got it spot on. And so Joseph is summoned. Uh, he obviously has a shave and a bath, comes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh explains his dreams. Joseph interprets them, bang on. And then that interpretation says that there will be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And Joseph outlines, this is what you should do. You should store up for the seven years and then you should uh, use that to support you for the seven years of famine. At the end of that, this is what it says. Uh, we're in chapter 41 and verse 37. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Now, Joseph trusted in God. He relied on him for that interpretation of those dreams. And then he spoke boldly to Pharaoh. He said, this is what you should do. He put his experience in workplaces, in Potiphar's house and in the prison. He put that experience into practice. And he went from prison to prime minister, to the, 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 the most senior person in the land apart from Pharaoh. He made that, that in one move. One day, everything changed. And I wonder what moves might be like this that might be in your future. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for speaking to each one of us. I thank you that you are alive today, that you work in us. And I thank you for bringing each one of us to Bristol. And I pray right now that you would speak into our very hearts. You would encourage and inspire every single one of us in this church. That we would know what you're saying to us. That we would have the boldness and the courage, like Joseph, to respond to those calls and those invitations that you give us. And I pray that you would put more and more Christians in places of influence in this city. That would change society and affect it for good. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.